Hello everyone, Steve here. Welcome to the Science Shed. Um, hope you're doing okay. Um, just a little note here to tell you about a Nobel special we've done, which is actually on YouTube. So uh, the best way to see it is on YouTube because you get to see Nick dress up and pretend to be a Scotsman and it kind of works a lot better with the visual medium than it does just on the podcast. But what we thought we'd do is kind of give you the opportunity to hear it on the podcast too. So if you want to see it um, on YouTube, if you just Google uh, the Science Shed on YouTube, uh, you should be able to find our, um, our channel. We've only got one video, so um, I can't imagine we find it difficult to find it. But I'll also put a link in the description of the podcast in case you want to find it that way. Um, but um, if not, then you can, if you're on the bus or something and you don't have a chance to kind of actually see what Nick and I look like and what the inside of my flat looks like, um, then just carry on listening and hopefully you'll enjoy it. So uh, with that, I'll put you in through the magic of editing. I'll dump you straight into the science shed. Ready? I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. That's beautiful. Don't know the words. Nick. Hello, Steve. How you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. Nice to be back in your flat. Back in my flat. With the um, the better acoustics of any location that we've I yet. Think the best, the best so far. Yeah. And, and now we're wired for vision. Oh my god! Yeah. Like David Bowie, pretty much. Sound and vision, exactly. I know. Oh, I'm definitely gonna. I'm definitely gonna edit a little bit of sound and vision over the top <laughs> at this point. Right, everyone, look at the camera now. <laughs> okay, good. Great. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that I like being able to to see yourself. I don't like that generally although I, I get kind of transfixed by myself when i'm on video oh my god everyone does that right everyone just looks at themselves in the little the little tiny one inch version of yourself at the bottom of the if i'm skyping someone i stare intently at my face for a long period of time <laughs> it's not very <laughs> helpful i don't like it yeah but um, yeah so nobel special is that what we're doing shift. today that's why we're this is why we've got the picture like, is it in honor of the nobel well, well why do we need a picture to do nobel special i just bought, bought a camera and i want ah. to play with it um yeah, so I thought we'd do a special a special edition of the Science Shed, as well as our own, a normal one. Right, well, great. Do you think that's a good idea? Oh, we're doing two. I think we're doing two. I oh, think my we're God. we're going to put this out on, to on top, but we do, do what you like. Well, we're using our, we might be using our gold. Oh, God. Also, oh. Well, let's wait. <laughs> let's get on with it, shall we? Okay, right, yeah. Here we go. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Combustion. Why do we need Petri, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Transplanting? General, it's a pretty exciting time in the scientific world, isn't it? When it comes to early October, you have the uh, you have uh, the, the announcements of the Nobel Prize. Kind of, kind of. I wouldn't say I get blown away do by you know it. I put them on not in the background. Really. I get really excited. Why do you get excited? Because it's it's the time. Because that's that's the biggest time. That's the biggest event in the in the scientific calendar. I think it's like it's like the Oscars of of, of science. Um, I think I like to think it's a bit better than the Oscars. Like I don't like. I'm what not I mean is that the Oscars is the is the showcase. Oh yeah, the, yeah. The, You're making an analogy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it is. I suppose it's like a chance for people. But I suppose the Oscars is when the Nobel is when they actually do the presentations. Uh, yeah, of course. But but the announcements. Yeah, 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 one yeah, yeah, yeah. So so maybe we should just kind of. So for anyone that doesn't know, 
a bit of background on the Nobel uh, Prizes. So there's four prizes, uh, one for physiology and medicine, one for chemistry, and one for physics. Uh, and there's also one for... Oh, so there's five, sorry. There's economics and there's peace. But we just don't listen. We don't care about the Economics? Ones. Yeah. No, we don't give a crap and about And peace. That. Yeah, we just care about the science <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Don't care about peace. No. No. No, no, no. no just it's less important. <laughs> um, World peace. Didn't... It's, I think some people... Isn't... Who was it? It's one, two. That one of them is um. Who's the guy that went crazy with vitamin C? Oh, it's Linus Pauling. Linus Pauling. He won a piece. And he won chemistry and, a, and, and a chemist, Yeah, yeah. He was a CND dude. Yeah. Well, maybe not CND, but he was against nuclear stuff. Right. But then he also went mental with the vitamin C story. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so there's there's four, three um main science prizes, and the uh, the 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 apocryphal story goes that Alfred Nobel's wife ran off with a mathematician, which is why there isn't one. For maths oh <laughs> mm. what a good joke um but there isn't one for maths and it's supposed to be awarded for the biggest discovery in that field at that time and it's all set up because alphas nobel who if anyone doesn't know famously uh, discovered uh the uh, uh, industrial process to make uh, dynamite and became fabulously wealthy because of it but didn't really like what you know that his contribution to to kind of human uh, history was that um it's just, just destructive in nature. So he set up the Nobel Foundation with all his cash. So you're saying that he felt bad because he'd invented dynamite? Yeah. He felt bad, so he thought, yeah, well, I'm going to give something founded, back. That's why he founded the Nobel Foundation, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I um, thought he just was a, a benefactor and he didn't really have, like... No, 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 no. Because he didn't, guilt he didn't, he didn't, so you say he had a guilt complex. He didn't want to be remembered for stuff, for blowing shit up. Oh, he did a good job, though. Because now, now everyone knows... But most people know that he was a dynamite dude. I don't know well. Uh, maybe not the, the I don't dynamite know. dude well yeah um, anyway so he he left a load of cash and now every year um, they announce the Nobel Prizes in those three areas um, and they can be shared for up to three people um, and uh, the the award is about a million krona I think is that right or 700,000 krona or something I don't know um, I think it's about eight or nine hundred thousand dollars it's a load of cash but I don't think anyone really cares about the cash no none of the scientists like it's not although it does come with a cash prize it's the, 10 the, million the, crowns I think or maybe you're right yeah 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 because yeah. yeah, yeah. the crown's about 10 to the pound. okay fair enough um yeah so so people don't really care about that but um they but obviously the 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 prestige associated with it is just the, the biggest right there's a copley medal and stuff in the uk but nothing compares to the nobel prize not really global, no. global i mean stuff. maths is like you were saying about math that's got the fields medal hasn't yeah. it which is like the equivalent yeah and that's only awarded but, every four years or something is it I yeah didn't or that. two years or something yeah it's very it's i wonder very, how much money they get for that i don't know the templeton prize you know the one that's uh, oh the, yeah the religious yeah. one that was set up with the express intention of giving more money than whatever Nobel was giving. Uh, that was... That was well, anyway. you know, interesting. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't get into religion. <laughs> anyway, um, so so this week, um, the, they normally announce them one uh, after the other. They're normally about 11 o'clock in the morning for us uh, in the UK, which means that quite often uh, if someone from, say, the US wins a uh, Nobel Prize, which is quite... They're, they're very prolific prize winners. I think they've won something like... They, they're the biggest winners. I think they've won something in the region 250... And right. Br- Britain is next, and there's one about ninety odd. Right. Um, so, but they're they're always in the middle of the night for them. So they always get a phone call a few hours before. And actually, it's supposed to do that true. And actually, um, uh, I've been lucky enough to work with a Nobel Prize winner, and he actually said they do do that. They ring you up like a few about an hour before they make the announcement. So it's not like anyone really knows they're going to win it until right before. And nearly always, it's in the middle of the night for them. What if you're not in? What happens if you're not in or you don't answer your phone? Or let's say you're on a walking holiday and 
Patagonia with no mobile reception. I think the type of person that wins a Nobel Prize is normally is not in a walking holiday in Patagonia. Well, do they get? Do they know that they, it's going to happen before? Like, do they have an inkling they're going to get the phone call? I don't know. I'm sure somebody knows that they're probably in the running when you get to that level. You probably so every year, so like, I mean, yeah. you, you get people because you you get bookies odds. So I remember this. Yeah. Because it was in the it was like a joke in the Simpsons that yeah, like yeah, Lisa yeah. and what's he called the uh, geek Millhouse, Millhouse were, had a gambling syndicate on who's yeah. going to win. But so I looked and there's always like a long list of people, but they probably they could be on that for years. You know, they're Indeed. twenty years. So you say telling me every night before the Nobel Awards they're like, well, I say my name on the on the book <laughs> on the bookage thing. Yeah. I have to stay in again. Yeah. yeah, every night for twenty years on the Nobel announcement. Well, yeah, maybe they probably. Well, they don't have to. But they someone, can. I reckon they get tapped up. You reckon? I reckon they know. Yeah. Right. Right. Maybe. Well, maybe. I don't know. You know a Nobel <laughs> Prize dude. You should I ask do. him. We should ask him. Yeah, he was actually in the shower. I think when they tried to ring him, and his wife answered the phone. Oh right, yeah. and she wasn't in the shower. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so they do it every. I do it at that time. <laughs> do you reckon it's a turn on getting a Nobel Prize? Uh, do you reckon there's anyone who's got some action from winning the Nobel Prize? Oh yeah. Do you think oh, so? Yeah. But they're all like old boys, aren't they? The youngest ever was um, mainly um, Bragg, uh, Lawrence Bragg. He won it at 27. Won the physics Nobel Prize at 27. That's pretty impressive, huh? Oh right, okay. Was um, he? Uh, was was he, um, you know, a Don Juan character? I don't know. I don't know much about Lawrence Bragg. Bragg diffraction. I don't him know. His, him and his dad won it. Jointly. I know his dad was, yeah, yeah. He, was, he and his dad were father and son kind of team working on the same thing. Yeah. But, so, um, so people kind of talk about it, I think, before the event. People kind of like think about like, well, who's going to win, who's going to not. And there's a few people that are in the kind of running. Uh, there's some people that historically didn't win, and that's a bit of a shame. Uh, you know, and, and for some reason, they kind of miss their time and kind of... Uh, you know, the zeitgeist moves on and they don't quite... So famously, Carl de Jassy didn't win the Nobel Prize for inventing the contraceptive pill, which I think, as far as kind of big discoveries go, um, it's a pretty big one, right? And that was famously missed. Um, he sadly passed away a few years ago, but... Um, yeah, you can't win it post posthumously. Posthumously? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't win it when you're dead. I mean, that's part of the reason why the award of the Nobel Prize for the discovery of DNA was quite convenient that Rosalind Franklin popped her clogs. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. there were four of them, really. Yeah. And I think more and more now you see these joint Nobel uh, awards because uh, because science is becoming increasingly increasingly um, interdisciplinary and working with other people is a fun way to do science. And I think that's kind of reflected in the fact that you rarely get one person that has one idea and does it, you know, really well. Well, I mean, you can argue that the whole notion of awarding it to a maximum of three people is a bit silly, really. Indeed, indeed. Because there's not normally... I mean, you know... One example is the discovery of insulin, right? Right. So it was discovered by um, Banting and Best, uh-huh. um, got the Nobel Prize for it, but there was also a couple of other guys working with them. Collip, I forget the other guy's name. They hated it. Oi! It wasn't just Banting! It was me, McLeod, as well! Get it, eh? And I'll not yet! The other guy's name. They hated each other. Really? The two guys, yeah. It was a big, big fight. Um, almost punchy fisticuffs in the lab. What, like, like you know, at the beginning of like a UFC thing where they do a standoff? I don't know what UFC is, uh, uh, Ultimate fighting, you know? When, oh, like, right. Like, when boxers come and they like stand in front of like really I don't know, there was a guy, they were like holding, That's one of them was science. holding the other one up against the wall. Holy shit, wow. But yeah, but they hate, they really hated each other. There's a good book about it. I've, I, um, it you know, it's worth reading, it's called The Discovery of Insulin. But there's a, the whole thing, you know the DNA story, the, the whole 
Crick and Watson mm. is quite intriguing with personal duels and things. Yeah, Discovery yeah. insulin, ten times worse. Oh, that sounds good. Real anger and fighting. Maybe and all we should kinds do a separate a sub podcast on the but, discovery of insulin. But the point was, after they discovered it, when they got they awarded it, both of them said, "Oh, I have to share it with my colleague, such and such." So they yeah. made a point of sharing it with their um, colleagues yeah. who they worked on it with. And of course, there's some people that have won multiple Nobel prizes. Uh, yeah. So we just spoke about Linus Pauling, but also. Um, uh, Fred Sanger, famously, uh, Marie time. Curie. Yeah, um, and that's pretty. It's pretty impressive. Should we call it? her Slodowski or something as well? Is that why? Is because that... like everyone knows her as Marie Curie, right? Yeah, that's how I. But know. when you but the awards, you know, so in science there's these awards fellowships for people to go and work over abroad, mm-hmm. right? And it allows people to travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Curie. They're called Curie Slodowska fellowships. Oh, really? Yeah, which was her maiden name. Because, of course, she married Pierre Curie mm-hmm, and later mm-hmm. got his head run over by a, a court, a cart, sorry. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so they obviously recognise it. Oh, sorry. I was just, yeah, okay, um, good. So so this this year, um, so I'm, I'm, so why don't so we start with a good one or a bad one? So I, um, I so this year was the, the Nobel Prize in Chemistry went to um, Fraser Stoddart, um, Faringa, and what was the other guy's name? Uh, should be like, <coughs> Sauvage, right, for, for molecular machines. Um, and what that is is Malakela machine. Yeah, it kind of sounds a little bit like it's like something from Tron. Yeah, yeah, it kind of sounds a little bit like the. So it's like Tron people. They go inside a computer. No, it's and not. They... It's not like Tron people. No, no, and you know it's not. Um, so... It kind of is. I mean, a, a human body is a machine, and it's small. If you body. shrink it into a computer, it becomes very small. Why are you being so facetious while I'm trying to find a picture of a nanoputian? Um, okay, so so we spoke about before the nanoputians, right? Which I'll show the camera now, um, and we'll repost again, so if anyone can see that. You can see the little dude. Um, anyways, I don't like having these people here with us looking at us. Well, maybe, maybe. We'll Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so so that is not what the Nobel Prize is about. So that was a silly, a silly paper that we spoke about before in a previous podcast about making. Uh, you know, anthropomorphized molecules, whereas this was actually using small compounds, uh, small small organic, they're all kind of organic chemists, so they're interested in the, in the, the chemistry of carbon, uh, and making these large-scale rings and um, molecular shuttles. So what you do is you take a big long rod in a molecule made out of carbon and oxygen and nitrogen, and then you can put around it a ring of a macrocycle, so a large, um, uh, a macrocycle in organic chemistry is... Um, so obviously there's lots of rings in chemistry like benzene and all that stuff we're familiar with and it's and if you can join those together in a much larger ring that's called a macrocycle and then so you can put that on a post and that thing can shuttle backwards and forwards because it can it can have recognition sites along the along the um length of the rod right. so 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 that's that's called a um a catenane um and that was interesting like kind of kind of going going like that exactly down the length of the rod exactly can everyone see that that's an illustration of what it looks like <laughs> Is that right? That is exactly right. Yeah. So he made that, but did that on with very small with you know with uh, organic chemistry with very sm- with very small compounds. Oh. And then Suvage as well. They worked on so rather than them being on. Um, Can I just ask you why should I give a crap? It's well, one, it's really cool that they do it. So so synthetically, it was a challenge to say, can we? Uh, before they did this, a lot of this work was done in the kind of early nineties, um, <clears throat> and and slightly before. Uh, and the early noughties was really where they started to actually be used for functional materials. So up until then, it was just organic chemists having some fun, trying to understand how to make these big machines. And they made a version. So rather than having a kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, a rod and a pole, they had one where you had two rings that you could form together and they could rotate about each other. That's called the catenane. 
or so the rotaxanes and catenanes are these these ideas. And what they found is that if sometimes if they coordinate those with with copper ions and other metallic ions, that they can hold preferential uh, structures, and then you can you can change pH or something, and then they can rotate to a different structure. And so what they're doing is they're seeing large scale conformational change. Uh, on uh, on these kind of small molecules, so it was initially very you know academic and, and still quite is, and then they realised that they could start coating these molecules on surfaces, and so actually now, so people like um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, David Lee at Manchester, he's kind of using these kind of compounds, but like attaching them to glass surfaces, and what you can do is by shuttling these things backwards and forwards, these molecules on the rod with light or with pH, you can actually modify the properties of of, of substrates of, of surfaces, so you can do things like you can make something go from something being hydrophilic to something being hydrophobic so you can by shining light on something like water then will then just go off that material uh, and you can you can um uh, you've also i think they've also moved stuff uphill because they can like actually kind of i'm kind of steve i'm yeah. listening to all this i'm not really very impressed no not really because like i mean first of all you've got a rod with a thing moving up and down it yeah i'm kind of like so what? yeah what i yeah. don't care you've got two rings rotating around each other i'm like yeah, yeah so what yeah you've got substrates which can change basically their wetability if you shine a light on yeah. it again i'm like yeah so what because there's loads of materials that you can make to do that sort of thing but all those it? materials don't don't the the so i mean i just want to know are you going to be able to have like an army of little people no who can like no. fix something do you know what they did do though like can we'll do it on know, i came across this paper they made um so Buckminster Fullerene. So I just want to ask because right. my ear, my headphones broke recently. Yeah. And I can't get to fix the little wire. So you want a little little dude to go in and fix it for servants. you? Servants. <laughs> little nano servants. L- servants to fix stuff. So there there is an example of um, so they started so they're no we're nowhere near that we're nowhere near that yet. Right. And the argument for here is nearly all of the functional materials you're talking about involve material scientists taking a large chunk of something and and trying to make and trying to make it smaller. Right, so it's kind of top-down kind of synthesis of these things, or you might be depositing substrates in, in a, you know, uh, in layers and things like that. This is actually molecular machines from from individual molecules. So you're not just working on, uh, so so you're not just working on kind of the bulk properties of the material, or the bulk properties of the interfaces of materials. You're actually using the kind of core chemistry that underlies all of that to actually build the to build the machines. I mean, you do that anyway, but there's plenty of molecules you can make. You know, you can make molecules which have peptide sequences in them through biological techniques. And you can make molecules which have different groups and things like that, which will aggregate, will move around depending on whether what the pH is or what the temperature is sure. and things like that. And that is really, that is a bottom-up technique. So, so, the, so but nature's got a bit of a head start on us, right? Nature's got four billion years We're always of better than you, man. Biology always is miles <laughs> better we than chemists. Chem- chem- I can make the thing with the thing. <laughs> like that. Yeah. But think about a molecular and we, machine. And, and think it, about an insulin. Who, about, made, who makes the insulin you think take? About, think about... From the discovery. Bacteria. Oh, it's chemists, isn't it? No, it's bacteria. They make insulin from bacteria. Of course bacteria. they do. They, they, it's not a ground-up synthesis. <laughs> no, it's not. They make it in bugs. Ah, interesting. It's it's a, it's, a pe- it's a protein of about 49 amino acids, right. which is made in a bacterium, some in, sometimes in mammalian cells. Right. Sometimes people use it from cows, to be honest. So they beat you there. <laughs> but you think, you think you think the day we can't do that synthetically, we wouldn't do it? If it was, like, how, that's how the, farm, the entire no, pharmaceutical cheaper. industry... Well, why would you wouldn't make Nobel... pota- you wouldn't make potatoes chemically? You wouldn't Not, think... yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not <laughs> yet. Anyway, anyway, so so to, to to push back on that, so David Lee has done this synthetic ribosome. So he's made a version of these well, there things you go. that these... goes along. So... Uh, hi everyone, um, got a bit of a confession to make. I messed up. I'm kind of new to this whole video editing thing. 
Um, I was in the middle of making a really good point about how, how David Lee's lab is building kind of synthetic versions of uh, biological machines, um, which is really interesting. And what they're doing is they, they don't quite work as well, um, but it's a start. Um, uh, but the, through the magic of editing, I can bring us back in line by the repeat of that word, it's a start. But it's a start, right? <laughs> no, that's good. And I think I like the idea of generally bio-inspired approaches to things. I mean, if you're talking about molecular machines, like, and I teach my undergraduate students about this, yeah. there's one called ATP synthase. Very do you know about ATP do, yeah. synthase? Yeah, it's incredible. So you can Google it. Maybe we'll put a little video on the, on yeah. the Twitter feed later on. But, I mean, basically... You think about how energy is harvested by people. Yeah. You think about water wheels. Yeah. Uh, windmills, hydroelectric yeah. dams. Yeah. You've got a moving flow of something, mm. and then something turns around and it drives some machinery, which does work, like grinds flour, or you or know makes electricity through yeah. induction. Yeah. So, um, yeah, these ones are in. So these are minuscule, probably like angstroms in size or nanometers mm. several nanometers and they work in the same way in your cells you've got these things called mitochondria and you have uh, basically you it, during the process of chomping up glucose it's basically oxidizing glucose yeah lots of protons are hydrogen ions and moved like one side of a membrane so, so you get loads of hydrogen on one side of a membrane and nothing on the other and the membrane is impermeable to the hydrogen ions but you've got lots of little holes in the membranes you like little holes at the bottom of a hydroelectric dam. Yeah. And the hydrogen ions will flow down that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Normally, you wouldn't get anything from it. Yeah. But what happens is uh, cells, all mammalian cells, have got this little rotor, basically. It's like a protein, and it captures the hydrogen. The force of the hydrogen it's ions moving. force, right? That's exactly. Right. But it actually twists it round. Like a the whole thing turns around. Mm -hmm. And when it turns around, another length of um, protein sticking into a bunch more proteins nudges them like shuffles them slightly so it Got clunks it. around it goes, bloop, bloop, bloop. and as it goes bloop, it shoves together a phosphate That's and so an cool. a, a something called an ADT, ADP molecule yeah. and it makes a really that that makes an energetic bond basically yeah. and that's a way of storing energy so they float around in the cell and if a cell needs to do some work it uses it chomps up its um, ATP so but it's all based on that molecular machine which so looks it, like a turbine but it would be a little bit unfair to give nature the nobel prize every year because they would win <laughs> wouldn't they of course they would but they've had they've had a big head start they've had 4 billion years yeah no absolutely we've been doing synthetic organic chemistry for Actually, about 200 I, I like that kind of philosophical question as well because with with all of the designs that nature's come up with Basically, the way they've been designed is because the environment has selected the ones which are good at continuing to, to exist. That's how evolution works, yeah. Sure. So could you do that with chemistry? Could people, you have an evolutionary process people have in been trying, synthesis? Yeah, people have been trying to do this for about 25 years. And, 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 and don't work. Like it's, just, it's just really... Basically, synthesis is really hard, right? right? And so anybody that's tried to kind of make it combinatorial, like they do in, for instance, I don't know, protein crystallography or something like that, it just doesn't work like and it's like so they you, what you really need is a human to sit down and think about it at the moment at the moment <coughs> yeah. um, and so actually what you're talking about the um uh, atp synthesis i've got a book behind you on my bookshelf uh, which has got a picture of it in so i'll take a picture of that and show it on there. oh yeah that oh yeah that'd be it's cool, really cool man. um so the other thing I wanted to say, so they have made slightly things that we would consider more machine-like with these kind of technologies. Like a digger, kind of a digger. They made a car. Did they really? So so these guys didn't, but it, it's a separate paper. Maybe we'll do a whole... Well, that's normally what happens. So 
in the Nobel Prizes, someone comes up, discovers something, and they learn how to make a, a leap forward, basically. And then generally what happens is, because it's exciting and because it's useful, lots of other people work on it. And generally the sign of someone who's won a Nobel Prize is they're working on something which probably is quite niche or no one knows about. And then subsequently, it generates a whole new mm -hmm. research field. Exactly. So that's a general technique, isn't it? So a lot of the things that you hear about, the, the, no, the, the guy who wins or the, the woman who wins the Nobel Prize, they haven't done a lot of the stuff which has been developed since, but no. they originated but the they, idea. Yeah, they yeah. were the people that were kind of working in an area that no one really thought was very interesting, yeah. but actually it turned out to be incredibly useful. And so there was a separate paper saying where they've made... Uh, they used uh, C60, which is this this molecule we spoke about Bucky before. Balls, yeah, Buckyballs. Buckyballs. <laughs> That's the shape of a football. Yeah. And they used that all as a kind of wheel. And then oh, they made cool. like a little chassis. I just wonder, with then, the, so how would they have, with a, a spherical object, how would yeah. they have made an axle for it? Yeah, well, if you're an organic chemist, you can do exactly that. So, <laughs> so a, tr a triple bond, an alkyne, uh, has, uh, has, um, uh, is non-rotatable around a triple bond. Right. And it's linear, right? So it's called SP hybridized. Mm. Um, uh, but a single bond... I don't need to know the details, by the way. Okay, well, a single bond is... You can rotate about a single bond and is also linear. Okay. Right? So what you do is you attach your 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 wheel, which is this sphere, this football-shaped molecule, the ball, via a single carbon-carbon bond. Then you have the axle, which is a tri alkyne, a triple bond. And then you <coughs> have, like, more of the chassis. You do the same on the other side. Oh, right. So it's independent suspension, kind of. That's how oh, each cool. one of the axles works. So I'm imagining the car, it looks like one of these kind of, like, Let me see if I can things, you know, those sort of things in um, Aliens or something, some ridiculous sort of off-road vehicle yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with spherical no, no, wheels, no, it look or, you know, cruising across the landscape. Uh, hold on, let me find it. Well, we can look it up later. Yeah, yeah. well, anyway, so... I'm trying to find a picture of it. There you go. So I'm going to show. I'm going to show Nick a picture of the uh, a molecular. Um, there you go. That's what it looks like. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it does. Yeah, Doesn't yeah, it look yeah. Like yeah. a little car. It's like a couple yeah. of dumbbells. You know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy one of those. No. <laughs> I don't think it's get not as good as a Tesla. No. Um, yeah. So so these kind of things, which are kind of more akin to what we consider a machine to be, or but on the kind of atomic level. Uh, we're all kind of part, paved the way with 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 this year's Nobel Prize. So they've also got really pretty figures. So whenever you see a paper from these groups, they always the figures always look really beautiful and they're very kind of stylistic and I actually quite like them. It kind of means that when you come across a paper from Fraser Stoddart, uh, you go, oh, it's a Stoddart paper, just because he always draws his diagrams in a very kind of uh, defined way, which is quite interesting. Anyway, so they won the, they won the prize for chemistry. This is good, isn't it? Well done to them. Right. So do you want to do physics or do you want to do biology next? Well, uh, the biology prize, I, I am... You know, I don't know a great deal about this field of research. Right, which was awarded this year in autophagy. Autophagy, yeah. yeah. So what's autophagy, Nick? Oh, well, it, literally it means eating, self-eating. Right. Um, so the guy who like won the prize... Burger King or something. Uh, well, if a burger that ate itself, be, yeah. that would be autophagy. Right, or, or if you chewing, start, chewing your nails. That's autophagy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, bogies, bogies autophagy. Bogies are autophagy. Bit of finger, autophagy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so cells... So this... I think that this this feel... Well, when you cut your finger and it bleeds a little bit and you put it in your mouth, well, that'd be considered... Yeah. That's autophagy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> uh, I won't go into the territories that I was about to go into. <laughs> um, but anyway, so... Um, yeah, autophagy. People have sort of been talking about it since the 1950s this guy who won it was started working on it in the early 90s um 
And I think the main reason that it got awarded the prize was it's found it's a process that's found to be relevant in like loads of different things. Right. So he was a guy working on yeast. Yeah. And what he worked out was, and people knew this before, that cells have little blobs inside them. Blobs? What's a blob? Well, you, you have in yeast, you have things called vacuoles. Right. In cells, you've got things called lysosomes. You also mm. have vacuoles as well. I don't quite understand the terminology fully. But basically, these little membrane-bound um, things, they have got enzymes which chomp proteins and all kinds of things up. The proteasome. And he, like yeah, and he noticed these other structures, um, which were... He, he ultimately, I think they're called autophagosomes or mm -hmm. something. <coughs> they exist and they basically transport, they, they envelop, they sort of blob up. So a cell is a big bag full of you know, nucleus and lots of other little organelles. Mm -hmm. But it's got this material called cytosol in it, which is kind of like a jellified matter. With kind of like the, the blood of a cell, kind of. A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got all kinds of goodies floating around in there. Yeah. They get, the cell moves around and stuff. So this thing forms and it, it, it envelops an area of the, the inside of the cell. Right. So an area of its cytoplasm. Yeah. And it, it, lots of enzymes are in there and it just chomps up. What's it? Disposes. So why is this stuff. important? Is this important for diseases and things like that? Do you get, is it like when that goes I wrong? I think it became really famous when people started thinking about cancer. Right. Which is, yeah, obviously something's relevant to human diseases. Yeah. This is a way for cells to like kill themselves sometimes. Right. So often it's a way for cells to recycle. St if a cell gets hungry, yeah. you can sort of eat it so you can eat your arm, keep right. you going for a bit. <laughs> 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 so right. that's basically what cells are. But I think that um, also because it's a form of, so cells can die and there's lots so, of different ways. So I'm going to ask you the same question you asked ask me. So what? Well, I suppose if you know a bit more about how cells kill themselves and how that's controlled, right. and you know all of the little mo molecules which are involved in it, yeah. then if you've got cancer and you want to kill the cancer cells, right. you've got another way of killing them. Because you understand how... how Absolutely. You, so in that case, it's doing it because it's trying to preserve itself. But you're saying if you could artificially yeah. control that... Yeah, you add a chemical you could, and you, you, could, you interfere with it. And, and if you, you control that specifically in, say, cancer cells and not in human cells, and that's so it And that's why way. it became more... I think that's why the, the, it became such a hot research topic was because someone found that cancer cells were killed by interfering with one of the genes that this Japanese guy who won the Nobel Prize had discovered. Right, right, so right. So that kind of started a whole field. But that's one part of it. It's also, this This is another feature of Nobel Prizes. They, they're not, they, they have lots of, you know, it's a, it seems to be an academic finding, but then it crosses over into loads of different mm -hmm, fields. Mm -hmm. Neurodegeneration, right? So you know about this because you work do, a bit on do, it. We do, yeah, a little bit. So like you have proteins that you're made in nerve cells, which ultimately kill the nerve cells. That's right. And usually your, your cell has a way of kind of processing them, getting rid of them and recycling them. That can go wrong. And that's, you build that's important up, in your generation because your yeah, nerve you build cells up, don't, you, don't, don't replenish themselves. Exactly. So, once they're yeah. dead, they're so dead. if you get loads of crap building up in your cells and your you know, autophagy is not working properly, yeah. then they build up and it kills the cell. So it's important to recycle protein. So those are two examples of where it's become famous. So this guy, he was, I don't know um, much about him. He's He was working in the early 90s. He's a yeast biologist. Right. He was working on yeast. Another good, you know, this is another example, that guy, Paul Nurse, we talked about in an yeah. earlier podcast. He was a yeast biologist. So people quite often work with yeast because it's a kind of very tractable organism, and it's very actually doesn't well, seem like seem like it's very similar to us, but it shares a lot of the. So the by you mean easy to work with? It's easy to to understand and work. Yeah, with. so there's a lot of genetic tools that work very well in yeast that have been developed, which means that we can use them as a model system 
for um uh, for, for ourselves i suppose and i think actually what's weird is you don't really think about it is, but yeast is actually much closer to to us uh, evolutionary wise than we are than than it is to bacteria so the stuff that's making your bread actually shares a lot of the same proteins and, and pathways that actually we do so yeah, yeah. um self-eating self-eating <laughs> So, sorry, we had a bit of technical difficulty there. We're back, everyone, hopefully. Uh, um, do I'll... I look fat in this? Oh, my God, I need to do some weight, Steve. I don't like the camera. Don't like the camera. The camera adds 50 pounds. Can I wear some kind of jerkin or, I don't know, one of those fat suits that you just drape <laughs> over your head? Like a, like a moo or something. There we go. If I lean like this and put my arm in front of my tits. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nobel uh, Physics. Physics Nobel Prize. Okay. Year. Right. I don't know anything about this. Oh, do you know why? Because uh, journalists exotic are, are, are idiots, right? So, I, like, the, uh, in in the kind of the 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 the, uh, the theme of the podcast, us normally having what's annoying Nick, what what's annoying Steve was, was the scientific communication of this year's physics Nobel Prize, which, to be fair, I don't understand, right? But this is from the BBC website, right? I'm going to read you some things from from the BBC website. I want you to tell me if you understand at all okay. what the physics was what, what the uh, if the Nobel Prize was about. So, uh, so it says, the start of it says, the 2016 Nobel Prize of Physics has been awarded for, to three British-born scientists for the discoveries of strange forms yeah, of matter. They always whack the British-born scientists, they? love it, they? don't they? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it says, like, talks about a little bit about it. And it says, all three researchers used maths to explain strange physical effects in rare states of matter, such as superconductors, superfluids, and thin magnetic films. I'm totally cool with that. That's good. I, I agree. Um... It says, uh, costalids and thules focused on phenomena that arise in flat forms of matter on surfaces or inside extremely thin layers that can be considered two-dimensional. This contrasts with the three dimensions, brackets, length, width, and height, with which we all usually describe reality. Yeah, that's a little bit patronising. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? I think everyone knows, like, what ha 2D and 3D are. Haldane also studied matter in the forms of threads so thin they can be considered one-dimensional. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like it's just—it doesn't make any sense. It's completely—it's just—it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but that type of physics doesn't make any sense. But I think it's a responsibility of scientific journalists just to to try and like. There's no way I've read that and said I've just done some maths. That's the only bit of information I've I've, I've learned. Yeah, I know. From that. And I, I well, and these can, people okay. have won the Nobel Prize. It's the most profound discovery of physics. Here's your chance, Steve. Then do a better job than the journalists. Maybe then. I will. Come on. Like I said, I don't know much about it. I've just I've got to this so point. You're and I was so you're slagging them off, and you don't know anything. So angry about <laughs> Go, it. Well, why don't you read the source material? Well, we'll, ha well, we'll have to have a second <laughs> Nobel version, won't we? I find that this this uh, this part of science is always um, totally impenetrable to normal people. It's the whole big business of maths. It's like, but come on, like the, Hig the Higgs why... boson or something like that that was awarded. Or like, you know, that's, I mean, I'm not saying that's not easy. It's easy to understand. I'm not saying it's that, but they made an effort, right? They made a, you know, there's a standard model of physics and the Higgs boson is the, is the particle that gives. Okay, I'll explain my understanding of Higgs boson, right? You've got lots of tiny little particles. One of them, it transfers, it, it sort of gives off mass or something. That's my knowledge. Okay. So I don't understand but, it. But the point is that you, you know that it's a particle um, uh, uh, that, that, that gives mass to 
to everything, right? And so, so we have yeah, this. But stand- I don't. I understand nothing about that. I don't know what that means. But that's more than Mass just saying. I understand that three dimensions is length, width, and height. That's not a Nobel-worthy <laughs> discovery, is it? I thought that they didn't have to explain what the, de- the definition of three dimensions was compared to. I think most people can grasp something that's got two dimensions with three dimensions. Yeah. So, And if not, been... you maybe should get some help. So, you know what? I was so annoyed that I didn't go any further. But I will. Let's do this again. And I'll look into it. And I'll try and explain. Maybe I'll just come back and go. It's really difficult. So basically, these guys are particle physicists, are they? No, theoreticians. So, so, they're, they're just... so, so this is kind of a prize in maths, then? We are talking before about well, maths. Well, mathematicians would disagree. Because yeah. maths is totally esoteric when it comes... Like, if you read books about, you know, what some of these mathematicians like um, Dirac did or Feynman yeah. did, no one... You will not understand the mathematics... Of course. Of, ...of what they were doing without actually spending a lot of time. I mean, there's a famous quote, isn't there? I mean, if it... Someone, one of the Nobel Prize winners says, well, if... If, it, if I could explain it in five minutes, it wouldn't be worthy of winning the Nobel Prize. I think Prize. that's Feynman. I think was Feynman, that Feynman? Feynman, this guy was trying to tell him how a magnet works. And, <laughs> and, and he was like, it's like the only way I can t- tell you... Is by giving you a course in elementary physics. In, in, well, in, well, in I think that's probably true for the, the, the thing there. But come on. But I, if I was a journalist, I'd acknowledge it. And just say it's really weird. I'd say th- this, <laughs> this really level difficult. of mathematics is incomprehensible <laughs> to most people without a thorough knowledge of mathematics. Yeah. But... They were comparing the different physics that affects things which have three dimensions as opposed to two dimensions. But it's not. I guarantee it's not. I guarantee it's not. They're just going, going, isn't it weird how stuff that's really thin looks like one dimension? (laughs) They weren't doing that. They weren't. I always get confused with these, these, you know, these kind of like, they've got a name, origin questions or something. Mm. But like string theory and they say, oh, there's nine dimensions and there's strings. And they're all wrapped up. Think about and it. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, and I'm like, well, hang on a minute. If a string's wrapped up, then it's still in three dimensions. It's just right. really small. So what the hell are you talking about? And you never understand it because we, you don't have a concept of that world without using maths. We can, ex- we, can, we can intuitively understand things moving in three dimensions. Indeed. But we can't imagine something moving in eight dimensions. Yeah. I think the more you work in that, so so a good analogy for things like this for maths, I think, is um, is language, right? So um, if you don't, if you can't speak a language, it seems impenetrable to when you hear someone speaking Chinese or something, right? And and also when you don't, if you don't speak a language a lot, you kind of lose the kind of nuances. And actually, the if you wanted to read Shakespeare, you, although you could translate it into another language, you're probably not going to pick up on all those nuances unless you kind of learn to read English on some level. And the same is true with Confucius, the other way around. And right. I think maths is really think of it very much as a different language. And and the reason we don't that most people don't understand it, even though it underpins so much. I th- it's because it's because it's because we don't, that, we're not trained. I think in that it. analogy holds, but only up to a point, because I think that things like language—it's an inherently—it's understanding things in our everyday lives, and yeah. you can kind of intuitively understand a lot of things without language. It just takes you much longer. Like, I mean, you could say, you know, well, you, you can and you can't, right? Because I mean, yeah, that's a, it's a separate separate. You can argument, show. But... I mean, you can show using you can move objects around, and you can almost explain a sentence by sort of using objects. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a mime artist. Yeah, but explain um, uh, compassion. Like, you know, like... like no, but you could... By you moving could, stuff around. No, you could understand compassion with by observing. You know, monkeys will understand compassion. In a sort of... You know, if someone's looking after someone else... Yeah. 
you would look at it and it would yeah, convey maybe, meaning to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But, no, but I, I understand. Anyway, you know, the analogy is true up to a point. That's all that I was saying. But so before you just shit all over my analogies, I love like... shitting all your <laughs> stuff. Normally but, you get more angry. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, but I'm angry about physics. So, so, so tell me what they did. So do you I not don't know. know. So none of us know. None of us know. There you go, <laughs> listeners. There's our distillation of the week's science news. In a happy, easy to digest what, format. What better way to finish the uh, the Nobel special than saying actually we don't really understand it very much? It's quite quite complicated. Oh man! Maybe we shouldn't have done physics. I think last. I know more about the Peace Prize. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's it. I think that's that's it for the for the Nobel edition. Hope okay. everyone liked it. If people like to see us and my yeah, flat. great. Um, yeah. And uh, maybe we'll do this again. If you like yeah. it, um, subscribe now on YouTube, which is where this will be. Yeah, uh, if you don't like it, just unfriend us. Just unfriend Stop us. following Also, us. we'll put... Uh, everyone does this on YouTube links, so I want to do it. We'll put little links to the uh, sound, the SoundCloud links and, and our Twitter feed so people can find us and follow us there. Oh, I think that annoys me, Steve. Really? You don't like that? Yeah, a little bit of paper. That? No, 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 there'll be a little link on the bottom. That oh, says, use technology like, to do it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, right, we could just write it on this piece of paper and hold it. <laughs> you could, Just go yeah. like that. It's got nothing on it at the moment. That's some science I did the other day. Those scrawlings were something I was trying There you go. That's going to be a future Nobel Prize. And you saw it here first. <laughs> I might have some more. Look, there's more. In... Look. Look more. Look at that. <laughs> look at that. It's just really pushing back the frontiers of human knowledge. And they saw it all here first on the science shed. Thanks for telling me about the Nobel Prize in physics. <laughs> no problem. Bye. Bunsen, Burner, Dollar, Machine, Internal, Combustion, Why Do We Need, Petri, Petri, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Newton, Transplanting, Bye -bye.